We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you. Or maybe you're commuting to work. We are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Okay, so we have Laura here. Not Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Though often confused. And... Laura is a Monate superstar, (laughs) so we might as well give you a shout out. Thank you. Uh, Has had two home births, and I was at both of them, and also is a co-sleeping fan. Totally. Would you say you identify as a co-sleeping fan? Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely bed sharing with both my babies, so yeah. All right. Do you want to do the quick fire questions? I feel like you have them memorized. Oh, do I? Okay. Let's do uh, taco, burger, or pizza. Oh, pizza. Pizza all the time. (laughs) Chocolate or candy? Chocolate. What else did we have? Um, did we have a travel one? Oh, where do you want to go next? Oh, Portugal. Definitely on my bucket list. Portugal, yeah. My mom's Portuguese, and uh, we've been saying for years that we'd go. But it's like, with kids, you want to pick that, like, golden time to go where they're not too young, but they're not too old. Mm. It's so, a direct flight, right? Five hours. I don't know. Yeah, it's a five-hour flight drive from Toronto. Lara's just going to <laughs> turn off the Roomba. It's a little echoey. Um, I don't know. Probably, yeah, from Toronto, maybe direct. But I think because I've exclusively breastfed both my kids, it's... Uh, I want When I travel, sometimes I like to be able to, you know, go off. We went to Hawaii for our honeymoon, and Riker was young, and my mom and stepdad came with us. And looking back, I wish that we would have waited and gone at a time where I, we could leave. So like you want to go? You want to take your kids with you, or you don't? Yeah, I do want to. I want to do a family trip, but we would do it with like my mom would come, and maybe my stepdad, or, or you know, another family, so that you're able to have the family time, but then also step away and have some and are, time. Do you hate pumping? I think because I had so many issues breastfeeding with Riker in the beginning that the sound of a pump is like, Triggering. it triggers. And so I I haven't even used a pump with Riley at all. I just have used the Hakka. Um, so I would totally do that. That's totally fine. And by the time that we probably end up going to Portugal, like, who knows, she'll probably be off the breast, I'm assuming. Um, but until then, I don't want any big... Big trips, I guess. No, I hear you. You know what I mean? Okay, can I jump right in with the first question? Yeah. Okay. So we have a client who had never heard the word granola or crunchy before, (laughs) which I love. And I feel like you are granola and crunchy. Totally. And I want to know how you became this way, how you right off the hop chose a home water birth for your first, how you went right into co-sleeping. I know you from the cafe. Yeah. But, like, who were you before that? Okay, so <laughs> let's say. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I think I was always growing up cognizant. How do you say that? Cognizant. Cognizant. 
cognizant, cognitive, yeah, cognizant about health. I grew <laughs> up playing sports. I was always trying to be healthy, um, but I didn't know a lot about like too many crunchy granola holistic things. But I think it led me into working into the cafe of life, the chiropractic studio. Um, there were so many values that I shared with the practice. And I think that it was the pivotal moment in my life where it opened my mind up to like a whole other world of health. Up mm-hmm. until then, health health and wellness was just like working out, you know, eating whatever the latest did the craze was. Did that job come first or did the holistic and then that job come? I would say I was already on my journey into holistic, but it was definitely starting at the cafe expanded it like it was something that I had been playing with but then when I started working there it opened my mind mostly because I learned so much obviously from practice members that came in um that were in different fields right and then obviously from the chiropractors that Mm -hmm. worked there um and then going to the CrossFit gym and then just expanding and myself looking more into that whole area I would say, though, if you were to ask my friends, I've always been the person that reaches for alternative health. I mean, growing up, my mom was always like that as well. We weren't, we didn't push like medication. Like She's been using oils since I was little. So I would say that, yeah, if you were to ask my friends, they'd say I've always been that person that has looked for an alternative to mainstream Mm -hmm. health Mm -hmm. or mainstream medicine. As you're talking about old Laura, I'm remembering the first time we met. Yes, and you did not like me. You were pregnant. I was wasted. And I don't not like a lot of people. (laughs) But, okay, it was my own fault because I was at Joe Cool's pregnant with all the coaches from the gym. So we're all at Cool's, but I'm obviously sober and Laura is not. No. (laughs) She is very obnoxious. Living her best life. As she does, and as I have partied with her since then, and it's amazing, but, like, probably bumping into me, and and I'm pregnant, so I'm not (laughs) happy about it. So she's being Laura, and Ben Wheeler is like, yeah, Joel just hired her. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why would he hire her? But I think... And I don't Within even remember. A month, I, I feel like I was sold on you. It was fine, but because was... you're you're pretty good at being drunk. Like I remember you having a lot of conversations <laughs> yeah. after some of your blackout times. You're like, I really need to drink nothing ever again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I have no recollection no. of us meeting the first time. Yeah, as per per Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which is actually so ironic that going into this whole health realm that like I would also get just completely back out wasted which but is I like the opposite <laughs> balance totally I think that's okay balance you yeah. need it um and it was fun times um, you can have just as good of a time sober though 100 percent. yeah yeah and yeah. I think that comes from my mom my mom's not a drinker but she's always like my dad is my mom's not but my yeah. mom's always a good time without yes. having to drink totally uh, but yeah, so my crunchy granola journey. So, and you know what, to be honest, before working at the Cafe of Life, I, I think as most people, they don't even think that home births are a thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, that was in Little House on the Prairie or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean. Angles Wilder. hundred <laughs> percent. Like they don't even realize that that's something that people do. And then I just, I love talking to people. And I love that about working at the Cafe of Life is I got to hear so many people's stories. Mm-hmm. And to me, 
hearing what people actually went through is much more powerful than, you know, listening to somebody who's just going to read you a script of what, you know, this medical thing tells yeah. them or whatever, right? So hearing people's actually actual experiences with birth or with life with, with birth, birth and everything like yeah. birth and just alternatives to mainstream medicine mm-hmm. and uh fitness and like what you're putting in your body what you're putting in your body yeah. I feel like yeah um I learned a lot I would say from just talking to people. And so many people that came in had home births. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was amazing. Yeah. Like when you got pregnant with Riker, did you even consider not? No. Pregnant? There no. was, like, literally zero consideration. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, I had decided this is what I wanted to do. How did Kevin feel? And I had no reservations. I'm the type of person, like, when I get something in my head, I'm like, that's what's happening. Yeah. And Kev, he didn't really know much, but he knows me. And he knew, like, if that's what I wanted to do, yeah. that's what <laughs> yeah, I was going to do. <laughs> and I told, I remember telling him, like, this is, yes, we made this baby together. I respect that. <laughs> but I am the one that has to go through this. I'm the one that has to experience this. Yeah. And it's okay if you're not okay with it right now. You have nine months to become okay with it. Mm-hmm. But this is what's happening. And not to say that you shouldn't respect your partner, but at the end of the day, it's my body and I'm going to do it where I feel comfortable. And he was totally cool. He was just like, okay, um, yeah, I just don't know much about it. We went to a... Like, they had a class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, home yeah. birth night. And my mom came and Kevin came because they were both the ones that were going to be there. And I said, you guys got to get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin left and he felt he felt good. And I love that night. They really explain to you everything that a midwife brings totally. to a home mm-hmm. birth. They give you all of the kind of, if this, if this goes wrong, then we'll do this. Mm-hmm. If, you know, this pink flag comes up, we're sending you to the hospital anyway. Yeah. Uh, we bring as much equipment as level one hospital. Yeah. That was what convinced Ryan too was the home birth night. Yeah. yeah. Same and seeing new. it. Yes. Right? Like the hockey bag full of, of stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. And what is it that they say? It's everything that you would have in at a level, level one. one. At a level one hospital mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Strathroy Stratford, yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. Where a lot people of places. to birth. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And it was something like for me being where I am. If I needed to have a transfer to hospital, for me, hospitals, what, so 15 minutes, not even away. By the I've time, eight. by the time, <laughs> if you're in the hospital, by the time that they transfer you to that room would be probably the same amount of time as being where I am to mm-hmm. getting to the hospital. Yeah. The other so, one that I remember from that night that I still use today is the 90% of babies breathe spontaneously on their own. Another yes. 9% will need another, a little bit of tactile stimulation, scrub up the back, rubbing your feet, talking to them. And 1% will require some sort of oxygen help puff mm-hmm. by the mouth. So then it really normalizes that like, oh yeah, my body can do this, designed to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's all going to be good. Tell us your birth stories. Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. Can I remember my birth stories? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I had my mom write down all the details because I am not, uh, I think you almost zone out or you forget some of these details. Uh, but it's interesting because both of my, both of my birth stories are the similar in the fact that they were fast and furious, but Mm -hmm. they are both different in the fact of how I figured out I was in labor, which both times I was like in denial to you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) let's start with Riker. So Riker, I, my due date was March 16th. Mm -hmm. It was now March 19th. No, it was March 18th because mm-hmm. it was nighttime. We had my a couple over um, 
who had a baby and we had hung out and we went I went for a big walk with my friend and they left I want to say like 10 o'clock at night and I felt completely fine I literally zero zero incl- inclination so much that I was at a stag and dough yes and I had messaged you and said hey girl can I have a couple <laughs> drinks tonight are we good and you were like absolutely zero signs yeah totally fine yeah like Lesson I learned. <laughs> just took my German shepherds for a two hour walk. I'm fine. I'm good. So went to bed. Kevin had been drinking because, you know, men <laughs> are clueless. Like I'm two days over my due date, but you know, go for it. So also he, my due is clueless. Yes. <laughs> two days over everybody, my due date. Yes. Everybody's drinking. Uh, you know, so went to bed. I, I'm going to like guesstimate on these numbers. I want to say went to bed at like 10 o'clock and I jumped out of bed and literally, can I swear? Yeah. Okay. I literally yelled, holy fuck, Kev, I think my water just broke. <laughs> like at what time? 10.30. Oh, oh. Okay. I went to like, bed at like 10. Like right away. Went to bed at 10. Oh. Like happy as a clam. <laughs> Hi. Not having a baby. 10.30. Water breaks. I jump out of the bed. Holy fuck, my water breaks. Head over to the toilet. Kevin's still, like, having a snooze. He's like, <laughs> I'm on Snapchat, Snapchatting my friends, literally on the toilet, pooing at this point because, like, now my system is draining. Call Lara. Call my mom. Hi, my water broke. Like, water's so on the floor. Point, you were calm. I was calm. I you was just like, like, oh, there's Ha-ha. no contractions. It's totally fine. Like, don't rush here. We're good. So... Thinking it's going to take hours. Hours. So I'm still not leaving. No. No. I am in full St. Patrick's Day gear. Like, clovers on my face, white shorts, high socks, the whole thing. Yeah. And then, like, 20 minutes later, you call me and you're like, I changed my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Because I didn't have any contractions. My water broke. And then I was just sitting there like, what now? Like, what's happening? And so my mom was like, I'm going to come right away. So my mom came first. Yeah. Right? And then... At this point, my contractions had started, and my then I think that's when we called you, mm-hmm. and you were like, okay, I'm going to come. So then I remember, Kevin's still sleeping yep. in bed, yeah. snooze a ruse, <laughs> and I am having contractions, and I think we went down to the living room, and I was on the couch, yep. and my mom was timing them, and then you got there, and then you had said, okay, let's get you up to the tub, Right. So then we went upstairs and got into the tub. And then I think this is when you're like, okay, your contractions are very close. We need to call the midwife. Yeah. Because I hadn't even called the midwife. And it's like not even, I don't think it was even midnight. It wasn't even midnight yet. So this is the bathtub or the birth tub? So I was in the bathtub at this point. So then I think at this point, my mom went and woke Kevin up and is like, hi, welcome. (laughs) You are having a child. So please wake up. Get your life together. Please get your life together. So, Brush your teeth. Yeah, take <laughs> yes, a shower. Please. Have a coffee. He's drunk at this point. He okay? did all he, of He's been maybe sleeping for an hour. <laughs> so then the tub was already, or our birth pool was already blown up, but hadn't really thought much about how they're going to fill it up. Like, I was just like, you guys are figuring it out. Okay. I've done all this work. You yeah. guys can figure yeah. this out. It's like, though, your one job. One job. Dad? So they go down and they're filling up the water just literally by pot by pot kettle by kettle filling it up then the midwife gets there and I'm just like in the tub and I I, so well well I think because I did so much visualization before this 
I, every time I would have a bath, which I was never a huge bath person, but I started to have baths regularly. And every time I was in there, I'd visualize that this is what my birth was going to be like. I'd close my eyes. I'd put on the hypnobirthing or meditation music. And I would visualize, like I would literally try to like go inside of my body and be like, what is my body doing right now? What is it going to look like when the baby's coming? Um, especially with doing like pelvic floor physio before the baby came, I really got an understanding of what that looked like in there. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of visualization. I also did a lot of visualization when I was on the toilet. Every Mm -hmm. time I was going to the bathroom, I'd picture like, okay, you're having a baby and I'd work on like my breath and pushing and being like targeted pushing, pushing. And so then I think when I was in the bathtub, I was literally just zoning out and I would like fall asleep and my contractions were very close together at this point two minutes apart yeah and I would just literally fall asleep for 30 seconds I wake up have a contraction then I'd like fall back asleep and I loved it because it was dark and it was calm and it was night so I was tired as well and then the midwife got there and she's like okay let's check you so I got out of the tub she could get on the bed she's like so you're nine and a half centimeters (laughs) I was like Okay, cool. She's like, so the baby comes at 10. So you're having this baby like now. I was like, okay. Literally thought I'd be able to have a nap, but sure. So she's like, let's get you in the pool. And I I just kept being like, what the fuck? Like, this is happening right now. Like, I had no warnings. Like, why didn't I have contractions for like hours to prepare me? No, this is just having a baby. Okay, cool. And even from a doula perspective, like the way that you were coping, I would have thought that you were four centimeters. Like, you were so peaceful. You weren't out of control. Like, she was... It, there was no transition. No. It was insane. But I just... I also knew where your midwife lived. Yes. And when they were so close together, I just... It was... I don't always have the intuition, just the gut feeling, but I was like, the midwife needs to come now. Sorry, yeah. so the midwife lived far or close? Yeah, Elsie oh. Craig. <clears throat> so she probably is like, what, an hour yeah. from us? And it was winter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I think, too, I had such bad period pains growing up. Like, I remember leaving high school. I remember getting, like, <laughs> what's it called? The pay phones in the high schools mm-hmm. and calling my mom sometimes, being like, I need I need to go home. Like, I had the worst period pains. And with Riker, with Riker and Riley, actually, I had back labor. But I feel like my whole life had been preparing me for this, like, pain. And to me, the contractions, I don't know if it was just me, but it weren't a ton worse than what I had already experienced. Mm -hmm. And I kept telling myself like, this is like, you're going through this pain and then it'll end and it's over. My mom always said that her periods were way less intense after she had kids. Did really? you find that? Did you have any periods between Riker yeah. and Riley? Not many. Not many. Because no. I didn't have my period until Riker was over one. I think he was like almost a year and a half when I got my period. And I think, so then what? And then I got pregnant. So maybe I had my period for, I don't even know, after him. But definitely weren't as worse, no. as bad. They definitely it's almost like... Down. I don't know, having a baby just like resets the whole system know. sometimes. It's like you already went through that. You don't have to something go up or something makes something not so angry and yeah. contracty or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So anyway, so go downstairs, get into the birth um tub. I don't even know what time this was, but <coughs> then then yeah, then the laboring started and the pushing. I think I was pushing with Riker. I think I was like 30 or 45 minutes. So much quicker with Riley because you know what you're doing. The first time you're pushing, you're really like not really sure because you're like, is this coming out of my butt? (laughs) 
like it's you're dealing like, with the pain, but you're also like, is like, is my butt gonna explode? What's ripping? Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many things going through your head, and you're trying to really focus on the act, like pushing, but also being like, is this the push that the baby's gonna come out? And it's just. Um, so I definitely push longer with Riker. When you said targeting pushing, was that something you learned with your physiotherapist? Yeah. Yeah. And what were some of the cues she gave you? For pushing? Yeah. Um, I feel like it was mostly when you're, when I was doing exercises before and trying to, what's it called? Um, engage your pelvic floor and engaging your like your vagina muscles where I don't even know like to relax them to and then to relax and then to engage them and not engaging like pinch you know when you like squeeze you're like squeezing your whole bottom okay but trying to like just squeeze isolate, isolate squeezing your like vagina area versus like your butt or even pushing. Oh, okay so you know what I mean? you're talking more about like kegels yeah like, yeah and trying to focus on where you're where you're actually activating in your body mm-hmm. so when I was pushing actively trying to push at the front versus mm-hmm. pushing from the back okay gotcha mm-hmm. you know what I mean so the reason I ask is because I I'm really curious as to when people hear the cue um like push to your bum or push right. like a big poop I want to ask, like, as many women as I can, like, do you like that cue? Does that work for you? Or does that feel like that's not where I'm pushing the baby out? Yeah, Yeah, I like to visualize. I I was definitely visualizing, and I felt like it feels like it's coming from your bum, for sure. But for me, I I had to visualize. Like, I I enjoyed, or it was more helpful for me when it was, like, I remember the midwife specifically saying, like, push whatever she said about, Did she say push to your bum? She didn't say push to my bum, but it was a cue of, like, focus your push where the baby is. Like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but... For me, what I tell people, um, because you haven't pushed a baby out before, but you probably have pushed out a tampon, or you've pushed out a penis if you're straight. When you put that on our story the other day, I was like, oh my god, that's so true. Totally pushing a penis out. 100%. So those are, like, the two things that you... Or a diva cup. That first time I ever used a diva cup, I remember putting my hands in there, like, where is this thing? And then having to actively push, bear down, to push it down so that I can get it. And that was something that also helped me, Mm -hmm. is having that diva cup and realizing, okay, that's the muscles I need to work to push that diva cup so that I can grab it and pull Mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. But I also did... Mm -hmm. I also did the... Uh, my gosh, evening primrose yeah. up my vagina before. So I got really familiar because every time I would do that, I'd also like practice like pushing and being like, what does it feel like in here? Mm-hmm. Because put your of, fingers in your own vagina. Put your everyone. fingers in your vagina. The more you can do that, the better. Feel what's for, going on. And like put more, them in. And for and more push. reasons yes, than one, right? Totally. Because okay. you put them in and you push and you feel what your muscles are. And then it's easier for you to visualize than when you're in the moment. Like, you know, you can, you can... And I, I was excited, to be honest, to feel what this was like. I know a lot of women are scared for the pain, and it's painful. I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously, you're pushing a baby out. But I was excited to feel every single movement that occurred as the baby's coming out. And did you so, find the pushing felt productive and felt exciting after? 100%. After contractions, like, okay, hey, it's a different sensation. I'm done this now. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely very satisfying. Um, so 45 minutes of pushing. Yeah, I think then, it was about 45 minutes yeah. of pushing. And then he popped out and then, yeah, just brought him to my chest. And that was basically it. I... I didn't, I think I had like one degree, like I just had a very, I had one stitch, like very small. So did that. And then after him, it was the beginning of the whole breastfeeding yeah. craziness that I dealt with. I couldn't even tell you for how long now, because again, it's like a blur, but I was for me personally, very determined that that was my only option. And I was very determined to do that. And it was hard, but I had a lot of support and I got a lot of help. I read as much as I could. I think a lot of people going into pregnancy, uh, whatever your goal is, is you have to try to learn as much as you can before the baby comes so that you're more prepared. And I did do that. A lot of that. Um, but yeah, then the breastfeeding journey, I mean, I don't have to get too far into that, but it was, we'll have you on again. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that. That's a whole podcast. So that was craziness. Uh, but I got through it and then I breastfed Riker till he was over two years old. So then Riley, what happened was, so my due date with Riley was, I don't even know, like March 29th or something. It was like the end of March and I ended up having her March, uh, 15th. So with her, so she was born on a Sunday, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I remember Friday night, um, or maybe it was Saturday night. Anyways, whatever. My mom came over and I definitely got that whole, like, uh, what, nesting? Or nesting, like, in the fact that I was like, okay, let's bake a bunch of stuff. Um, I want to clean the house. Because at this point, I'm thinking baby's coming in the next couple weeks. So I want to start getting hold of this. But I was, like, eager beaver, got everything done in, like, one day. And this is also, like, that would have been, like, day one of the pandemic. Well, we went into lockdown on the 17th. And this would have been, like, I had her on the, yeah, this was the 14th. So the 14th was the Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, so with Riker, I never had any type, like I said, no contractions, no Braxton Hicks. Nothing. Zero zilch. Not a, not a clue that the baby was ever going to come. <laughs> With Riley, I started, I think it was the Friday night. I definitely started to get a little cramping, but my pregnancy was also very different with Riley. Um, with Riker, my whole pregnancy was a dream. With Riley, I was very nauseous and didn't feel well for, I think it was the month of August. Um, But mind you, I wasn't, like, with Riker, I was doing CrossFit up until he was born. I was still active with Riley, and I was still walking and stuff, but I, it's so different with, my life was just different. So, with Riley, having these cramps, I just, I didn't think anything of it. I had never had Braxton Hicks before, so I didn't know what it was. So, I had those a little bit, and then I had them a little bit throughout the Saturday. Enough that I sort of took note of them, and I told my mom as we were baking and I'd have to stop a couple times to like catch my breath. But again, I just thought whatever. So then my mom goes home and we go to bed and it's really funny. It's funny. I feel like your body's just so intuitive because I still have the photo that we're in bed. Kevin hates social media. He hates photos. He hates taking pictures of like, I have to sneak every photo that he's in. And I remember laying in bed and we bed share. So it's, it was Kevin Riker and I, and I remember taking a picture after we read books and being like, this could be our last picture as a family of three. Mm -hmm. And then all throughout the night I was having 
Braxton Hicks, which again, I just thought like, I'm so naive, like, oh, it's just pregnancy, you know, I'm just having a little cramping, babies moving, whatever. Um, and then it was, we woke up, it was probably around 8, 8.30 in the morning, and Kevin was taking Riker downstairs, I said, I'm just gonna hop in the bath, because I'm just like feeling a little achy, and need to have a bath, <laughs> treat myself. <laughs> And so he goes downstairs with Riker, and I get in the bath, and let's just say I didn't get out of the bath after that. No. <laughs> so I remember, I I think I had called my mom or I texted her and said, like, you know what, like, I'm still having these contractions. And then we had chatted, mm-hmm. and you, I think, said, like, just start tracking them. So I... Were you still last time? Yeah. Sorry. It was morning now. <laughs> it was Sunday morning. <laughs> I know, but that's after Saturday <laughs> yes, night. this is true. Yeah, because um, it was the pandemic, so yeah. Yeah, no. there was nothing to do anyways. Was I still in Costa Rica? You yeah, had I just got back. I remember this. You had just got yeah. back Friday. Oh, okay. So you were on, you were on quarantine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I started timing them, and then again, my mom got there, and then after... I think I had told you, okay, that my contractions are this close. You're like, okay, like, I'm going to come. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. And then my, I had a photographer this time. My mm-hmm. very good friend, Laura, was my birth photographer, and I was so excited. And you know what? I was so happy with Riker. I got to experience this very, like, dark, mellow, calm birth. But it was actually perfect that the second time around, it was the brightest, oh, sunniest day. The best lighting. The best lighting. Yeah. Like, the stars aligned. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and again, it was just one of those times where I honestly visualized my birth with Riker and it turned out exactly how I wanted it to and then this whole birth experience besides this crap of quarantine and all this other crap Mm -hmm. that was happening my birth with Riley was exactly how I envisioned it to be so then Laura got there and then I I think the midwife came shortly after and again I was just about to we're laughing joking I'm like Taking pictures with my money, dry shampoo, like, <laughs> literally, like, having contractions, like, hi, I'm having a baby, and, like, we're joking around, and then I feel like we, I would go into a contractions, and again, I would just sort of zone out and just be, like, whatever, and then I'd come back, and we would just, you know, go yeah. about our business and talk, and then the midwife got there and said, okay, let's check you, and then it was deja vu, hi, you're nine and a half centimeters, the baby's coming, I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, it's so funny. I look back at the photos. Like I'm just like literally butt naked. You are. Like I had I think my sports bra on. Yes. Like my vagina, but everything's out. Like there's zero privacy. No, yeah. nobody cares. And full daylight. <laughs> full daylight. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Stop yeah. the crevice of my body. <laughs> um. So then, this time around, our sink had the pullout spout. So we both times I had my birth pool it's cool because I used the same birth pool for both is it was in the same spot but this time we used the kitchen pull-out sink tap. or the pull-out tap to fill the water so it was yeah it was deja vu in the fact that we went from the tub went into the birthing tub in the kitchen and then I would say it was very similar in the fact of like the waves of the contraction and how I would manage them. And I would really just zone out and I would work on my breathing and visualization. And then the pushing was so much easier this time around with Riley again, because I knew what I was doing. And then she was born. And so with Riker, what did I say? I think my water broke around 1030 and he was born at like five in the morning. 
and Riley, I started to have, I would say like around 8.30 in the morning when I realized, okay, I need to get in the bath. Like, I think this is my baby. But you, you basically low-key low key labored all night. Yeah. L- yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Where I would wake up in contractions and, like, be cramping. Mm-hmm. But you're just and like, then, oh, it's Braxton Hicks. Yeah. yeah. So it was very different that way. And then she was born, I think, was she born at, like, 12, 12-something, 12 yeah. 12.30? Yeah. And she was born in the call, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was not very long at all then. That was, like, maybe four hours. Yeah, short. It was, like, in, out, whatever. Um, Both times had Dr. Joel come, which was really awesome to check. We just had a good old group hang afterwards. We did. Pizza? Like, we were all just off your bedroom. We made Kevin go get pizza. Yeah. Joel came over. Kevin drove... Didn't Kevin drive Joel's Joel's, truck? Yes, yeah, to to go go pick up the pizza. pizza. Because he had just got a new vehicle, which he already has another one. Another one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The photographer's up there. Yeah. Everybody's hanging out. And it was awesome because it, it, I was so happy that it came before the wave. And I think, honestly, because of who I am, I feel like she came at the perfect time so that I didn't have to deal with all the other stuff mm-hmm. that came after. Yeah, like, for example, your midwives had no PPE. No. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, and so it was ideal that I got to have that same experience yeah. um, that I envisioned without all the other, you know. Additions. Additions. Tell us what it was like having a baby in the call. It was cool because I felt her when when she came out and it broke as I was like grabbing her and so I felt that gush. Mm. Right? Like I didn't I when I picked her up she it had already broken, right? Cuz as I was with both children, I picked I grabbed both of them from my vagina and I the midwife would say like, "Okay, like there's the head and I'd feel and then I'd push and I would grab them both." So with Riley, as I was grabbing and she broke in my fingers, because, you know, you're just like, oh, my gosh, they're slippery. I'm going to drop them and feel that gush was really cool. Um, And it's I'm a crier. I thought I would cry with both of them, but I didn't at all. It's like the surreal. I know. And it's so weird. I didn't cry with either of my children. But you'll cry at the most ridiculous songs. A hundred percent. Or like a homeless dog. Like, I will cry for you. But it's just this, like, miraculous miracle where you're just like, holy cow, I just, like, had a baby. I just pushed yeah. a baby out. And and then with Riley, the breastfeeding journey was, compared to Riker, very easy. Like, I was experienced the second time around. <coughs> and I knew I wasn't... With the first kid, I find, like, everything is so overwhelming because you don't know what to expect. And also, you research all the things with the first baby. The yeah. second baby, you're like, it's so different. Mm-hmm. You're so much more chill. Such a, a hard thing to prepare for, though. Like, I was the same as you. Like, I had the books. I did a bunch of reading, but it all comes down to ahead of time: get a good latch, get a good latch, yes. get a good latch. Well, you don't know from reading books how to assess a tongue tie, lip tie. Exactly. You don't know how to, you know, do the technique of belly mm-hmm. to belly, get them to open wider. Totally. You don't know how to put a bit more tissue in their mouth. Like mm-hmm. all those things. You need the hands-on support 100%. for that. Yeah. Who helps you with breastfeeding? So I had Carol Pete come and do the um, the consultation. So she came and she put Riker in football hold. And that was probably the beginning of how it got better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I watched a lot of videos. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, or not YouTube videos, videos on the Jack Newman Dr. website. Dr. Jack Newman. Yeah, he's great. And the Wellness Mama. 
and there was another website I found the videos really helped and also just realizing like you're learning it's like a dance you're learning you have to be patient it's a new skill for both of you yeah and I wasn't I was so confident in my ability and I was so confident in my body that I was just like okay this is just what we got to do we Mm -hmm. gotta figure it out it hurts but failure is not an option yeah Yeah. that just wasn't for me and I know for a lot of people like everyone's reality is different everyone's truth is different and for me my truth was just that was what it was. Mm-hmm. It, there w- was no other option for mm-hmm. me. Um, and luckily, though, for me, like I said, I had a lot of support. Like, I had you, mm-hmm. and I had my mom, and Kevin, which was really awesome. And it was not necessarily a challenge, but it, it was a challenge that I just realized this was just another challenge in life that you're going to figure out. And then one day, it's going to make you stronger, and you're just going to know what's up. Your okay. postpartums were super different. Yeah. Because with Riker, people were allowed to visit. Yes. And with Riley, no one was. Correct. How much do you think that helped? Because you're a social person. Oh my person. gosh, loved it. Yeah. I love, I'm such a social person, but I also went into having Riker being like, I do not want a ton of guests after he's born. I really want to be able to take that time to just, you know, establish everything. But then it happens and people are messaging you. And like, I can tell everybody... If there's one thing, if you have friends that are having babies, don't message them to come over. Like, yeah. wait for wait for the mom to be like, I'm ready to have people. Because you feel this obligation when people start messaging you. And, and I get it, they want to see. But at the end of the day, those first few weeks, that first month is so critical. I mean, having guests such as your family or friends that are here to help you is one thing. But I remember having people over and Riker was only, I mean, a week old. And I had this anxiety in me, like, I want my baby back. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't want you to hold my baby. Also, I'm trying, I have to feed my baby. Then I have to pump. Then I have to wash this stuff. Then I got to, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody here. And then you have to put on this, like, face. And a bra. And a bra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no matter, I'm very comfortable. Like, my friends know, like, I'll do anything. But it's, it's so different. And... I felt even though I went into it being like, I don't want a ton of guests, I let way more people come mm-hmm. over than I wanted. It's weird the people that think they should be in that first round, in that first yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, I still remember Everybody's a woman entitled. from yes. work coming over, and I was yeah. like, why are you the person who thinks you need to be here on day four? Exactly. When I'm, yeah. like, in yes. bed. And then she's surprised that, like, I didn't get out of yeah. bed. I'm yeah. like, are you kidding? Yeah. yeah. But it's this... Uh, and I mean, I was naive. I remember being younger, mm-hmm. and my friends would have babies, and I'd go to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. And now, like... This is something that people need to talk about because you don't also realize, for me, with the breastfeeding, having people over there, I think definitely, definitely made my journey longer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I wasn't, I wish I would have just stayed in bed and just figured it out for like two weeks if I needed to. And so there was that where I definitely regret with Riker, but it was a learning experience. I knew for the second time. I wish I did not have people so fast. Um, But also, so yeah, with Riley, you couldn't have anybody. And it was the greatest because I was like, nobody can come. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And I also made it very clear before that saying, this was my experience with Riker. This time around, do not message me to come over. Right. This isn't about anybody. This is about the mom and the baby. Totally. Okay. People need to stop making it about them. Yes. And bring it back to the mom. If the mom truly wants that. Mm -hmm. As a mom, you should, like, let people know what you need. 
some people do want people over. Yeah. I just didn't. Okay, so, so here's our here's our advice for everyone listening. If you go to a mom's house, you stay for 20 minutes. Yes. Correct. You do not come empty-handed. No. And, and you, you clean, do a chore. You clean yes. something while you're there. Yeah. yeah. You or empty, you just drop off something. You drop something yeah. off. Oh, 100%. And really, truly do the assessment. Like, say, am I a level one friend? Yes. Am I a level two friend? Am I a level three friend? Yeah. Like, yeah. unless you were in that person's life, like, weekly before, you're probably not someone who needs to see the baby in the no. first week. You know no. what? Babies no. are still cute after six weeks. 100%. So. And the, the main goal and the main priority in those first few weeks or that first month is really for mom. Like, the baby literally just exited the mom's body. Mm-hmm. It should just be on the mom. Yes, yeah. 100%. That's what I believe. And another thing I think moms need to do is is put that out there mm-hmm. before the baby comes. Yes. And let people know when you are ready for visitors, you will, you will invite people over. I mm-hmm. tell people that all the time when we're having prenatal visits and they're before the pandemic when people could go to the hospital saying, yes. this conversation is much easier to have with your family before you're in labor and you're yeah. like, actually, please don't come. You talk to them before and you say, I need you well-rested, mm-hmm. well-fed, and energetic to yeah. help me not to be at the hospital waiting room for 24 hours eating chips from a vending machine. 100%. It's not helpful there's, for anyone. Does zero things. Yeah. There should no. There yeah. should be no waiting room. In no. Brantford, there's no waiting room. No. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Doesn't exist for maternity. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so... And I get it. People are excited, but you really just have to tone it down and realize like this, again, this isn't about you. This is about the mom and the baby and the family and the family unit. And Riker was, um, so with Riley, Riker was there and he got to experience the whole thing. Like he saw the whole thing. He's from beginning to end, which was really amazing. Uh, And I really wanted us to have that time before even knowing that you couldn't have people over. I really wanted us to have that time for Riker to still feel like he was still at the center of our universe too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if people are always coming over for baby, yeah, it could be a little true. bit weird. Yeah. Um, so it was it was just nice to to have that time as a family. And like for Kevin, he's self employed, so he couldn't take time off. So my mom stayed, which was nice with Riker and Riley. With Riley with Riker, mom took off one week and Kevin was off that same week. In hindsight, I wish I would have had them off different weeks or had my mom take more time off because I I needed that help with breastfeeding because I'd have to, like, it was crazy, you know, by the time you feed and then you pump and then you clean and then you're changing diapers, sleeping, like, all over again. I wish I had somebody there to just do all those things. Where with with Riley, sorry, with Riley, Kevin only was off one day. And then he, he owns his own business. He had to go back to work. My mom took off the time. But then luckily, because of the pandemic, she ended up having to work from home. So she was basically off way longer than me. So having somebody there was essential. So it's nice, I think, for moms when they have anybody that's able to be with them for that one person that's able to be with them for an extended period of time. Can you remember back to um, Riker's like first days and what that felt like to co-sleep with him and were you nervous and how did that go? So I think I knew, I mean, we had a crib. We bought a crib because it was just like, oh, he'll eventually sleep in this or maybe he went home napping it. 
but I think I always knew that this was what I wanted to do. I mean, take it back to having Bailey, my puppy. When <laughs> Bailey, we brought Bailey home. We had a crate for her. The first night she started crying. I couldn't handle it. I brought her in. She slept on my chest. My puppy, my German Shepherd, eight-week-old puppy, slept on my chest until she was too big. Then she slept beside me. And then she slept at our feet. And then eventually she wanted to sleep on her dog bed. So I think I subconsciously actually knew that this is this was how I was going to sleep with my babies. And it was so instinctual. And I, I, how I set it up was I had my pillow so that I was on an angle. So I had probably two pillows behind me. So I was on an angle. I had two pillows on my right side, two pillows on my left side, basically. And my arms were up. Like I'd be laying and my arms were up. And Riker just slept on my chest, face, like his head was tilted, but face down, tilted to the side. And my arms were up enough so that he couldn't roll so you're, you're in anyways. Up. Yeah, you were propped up. Propped up. So, Elbows up, supported yes. so that he, yeah. So if, if he would he's move, he's anywhere. not going anywhere, yeah. right? And I think, well, when you're a breastfeeding mom and when you're co-sleep or when you're bed sharing, co-sleeping, whatever you want to call you don't ever get into a full sleep. And mm-hmm. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And instinctually, I knew that I would wake up to any movement. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, you're going to be nervous anyway because it's something new. But I didn't even let my mind go there. I was just like, this is normal. This mm-hmm. is a lot of people have done this for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still do it. And so, yeah, so he would slept on my chest for the longest time. And it was so cool because I remember as he grew, I'd be like, I'd feel his feet here. And then I'd feel his feet here and here as he continued to grow. And then eventually it got to the point where he was more comfortable. Sometimes he would sleep, like I'd sleep on my side and he would sleep. I'd put my arm out and he'd sleep in this little crevice here. And then when he'd nurse, I, my breast was just there. And it was just easy for me because I didn't have to ever get out of bed. I would sit up to change him. But especially with the breastfeeding issues, I needed him right there because I, I fed him every time, you know, he wanted the breast. It was just automatic. So talk to me about then when he's in your side, where's the duvet cover? So when he was on my side, um, the duvet cover, I think what I had was the light bed sheet was over me and then he was laying beside me and I would have when he was really little I just had him in like he had his pajamas on but then he had like a sleep sack on so he was warmer and then when he got older I just put a little blanket over him like and I would just put it like up to his so how is the sheet not like over his head or you just have it low on your body I just have it low on my body yeah so the bed sheet would be like up to my like waist sort of thing so I would be sleeping and he would I would be on the side and have no shirt on I'd have my, yeah, I'd have my uh, nursing tank top. That's how I slept all the time. And then I would just like, it wasn't snapped. I just keep them unsnapped. And I, um, or sometimes I would just literally have my nursing tank on or a nursing shirt so that I was warm, but then my boobs were just out. Right. Um, but I, every time he needed to nurse, I would wake up. Um, but the blankets were never concerned for me. I never, I know that's like such a big thing, but he, he was so close to me. I felt every single movement. It's not like he was in the bed over there and I was here. Like I felt him, he was on me or he was touching me every single time. And I think because he had the body heat from me, 
I wasn't overly concerned about having blankets over him all the time. Oh, no, I was thinking about blankets for you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, how are you staying warm? Yeah. Yeah, I think just having it, like, to my... You guys have the heat on pretty high at night? Yeah, our bedroom's pretty cool, I would say. But... I remember, like, the odd time, like, I would just have, like, I'd have a little blanket and mm. I'd put it just over my shoulder here. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that I went over, like, I mean, with Riley, it was completely different. I didn't even, like, I wasn't even concerned about that stuff. And, um, but yeah, I made sure that I did it in a way that was safe. But then it was, like... When they're really small, that's when I was the most concerned, I would say. And then as they get bigger and are able to, like, move around, it was, there was no thought. No. And with Riley, I had zero, zero ever worries. Mm -hmm. With Riker, like I said, it's new. So you're like, am I being safe? Like, what can they do? What's going to happen? But at the end of the day, I always was just like, this is my instinct. This is what I need to do. Could you sleep beforehand with Kevin touching you? Uh, we never really did. No, like I needed my own space. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah, that is me. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like I'm thinking it's really cool how you tried it with a puppy first, and that's like a yeah. really crazy transition. And obviously, around the world, doc- Dr. James McKenna talks about how co-sleeping is the biological norm of sleeping. Yeah, for the majority of countries, it's just here that we put babies in cribs, but. I co-slept, but I used a, Brandon built a co-sleeper right. beside the bed. So yeah. I would feed him and then push him out. Right. So that I would then have the duvet over my shoulders. Right. I also never really knew how to manage the pillow part of it. Right. So that's how I did that till he was seven months old and he kept rolling right. out. And then eventually we put him in a crib after yeah. that. But you said you're, so now you're sleeping all four of you. Do you have mattresses so, on the floor? No. Okay. <laughs> so it's like hilarious. Um, so, okay. So. Riker went from sleeping on my chest to sleeping in the crevice of my arm to, and Riker, and Kevin was on the other side. So it was me, Riker, Kevin. And then when Riley was coming, I was like, okay, let's get try to get Riker in his own bed because I don't know what it's going to be like for us four to all be in one bed. So we got him into his own bed, but he was so used to still sleeping with us that it was still, we'd put him to sleep, often fall asleep with him in his bed. Um... And, or every time he woke up, I'd have to go back in there. And it just got to the point where it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this anymore. I'm pregnant. Like I'm not doing this. So I just brought him back into the bed. So that was, I would say a period of like maybe a month or two months that he was in his bed, but he was, it wasn't like, okay, good night, Riker, peace. And then like, see you in the morning. It's never been like that. It was always like one of us ended up back in bed with him or he'd end up in our bed. So he ended up back in our bed. So it was Kevin, Riker, me again. And then Riley was born. So then what it looked like in the beginning was pillows came back Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I had her on my chest. Um, But right. So Riker was beside me and Kevin and Riley was on my chest. And then so it was the four of us for the longest time. And then Kevin moved out. And Kevin moved into Riker's room because yeah. we had the queen size bed. Because he's like, I can't do this anymore. Because Riker was he not sleeping? He just wasn't sleeping because Riker, you know, he moved around too much. And Kevin's like, a, he's a big, tall guy. Mm-hmm. We have a queen size bed, but he was just like, I can't with this anymore. Yeah. Because once Riley got bigger and wasn't sleeping on my chest, what I did was I have the guardrail on our bed. Mm-hmm. 
So then what would happen is I would put Riley beside me. So it would be the guardrail, Riley, me, Riker, Kevin. Yeah. So now you're taking up two spaces because it's Riley and me versus just yeah, me with her on me. Yeah, no, this was king. This was yeah. king. Oh, okay. king. This oh. is king. Okay. But still with Riker like sprawled out. So yeah. then Kevin moved out into from our room into the queen size bed. So then it was just um, Riker and then myself and Riley. Um, and now just recently as of last week now Riker is in the queen size bed with Kevin and I have the queen the king size bed with Riley so now it's Riley and I in one bed Kevin and Riker in the other bed for now but the thing is is we're flexible that might not be forever you know what we might all end up in the bed again Kevin might end up Riker might end up I am very like for me I'm like, they're only little for this long. And even though sometimes I'm so tired when I wake up, if Riker feels comfort having me beside him, then that's what I'm... And it was hard for me. When he when we transitioned him into his bed by himself, I cried. Mm-hmm. I, it yeah. was emotionally awful for me. Yeah, I was sad. I missed it. It's um, beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, our, our listeners are not going to be happy if we don't ask. Oh, so this, like, it's when we told people on that podcast where you mentioned we were going to talk to you about co-sleeping and sex, <laughs> multiple people, whenever I would see anybody, they're like, when is Laura coming on? Yeah, so we have to ask, because I yes. think people have this very narrow, sort of black and white vision of, like, you know, you only have sex in that bed, and yes. if there's kids in it, then you don't. Yes. So, like, the when and the how, okay. and, like, let's go. Oh, my gosh. So, let's see. Sex. Um, <laughs> so, with Riker, oh, my gosh, I can't remember because it was so long ago. But with Riker and having one kid, it was so much easier because we would put him. I, so, my kids never liked any of the swings, but we called them the sex swing because <laughs> we put Riker in a swing in the bathroom. <laughs> that is adjacent to our room and he'd be swinging in the little swing having the best time and we would have sex and then as he got older um it was ninja moves because because we co-slept it was like okay let's I would go to bed I'd nurse Riker to sleep make sure he was asleep try to get out of bed then you know he woke up so go back to bed and we would always have sex in the spare bedroom because Riker is in our room. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have to figure out other places to have sex <laughs> in the household. Um, Which is kind of fun. I feel like that's kind of inventive and yeah. adds some spice a little Except bit. for when you don't have any curtains on your front window. Yes, the well, there's that. There. There's, like, our house is very exposed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which you don't mind. And, like, I remember sometimes, like, we would... It's not like we're going to give out your address. Right? No. Um, sometimes, you know, take dropping Riker off at my mom's to go for a date night and then having to have sex in a parking lot in the car <laughs> because it was like, this is the only time we're alone. Don't have to, like, worry about a baby. Because when you have a baby in the house that you know isn't sleeping, when you're trying to have sex and zone out and then you're just like, oh, my God, the baby, the it's baby. It's hard to it's get It's so hard. So then as Riker got older, what happened was he slept at my mom's every single Friday night. So I think he started doing that when he was like a year and a half and he'd sleep at my mom's every Friday night. So. Which I love that you guys do that. Yeah. Yes. It was amazing. So when do you schedule the sex in that? So then the sex. Is it before Kevin plays video games? No. So his. So. (laughs) Before dinner though, right? No one wants to have sex with a bloated belly. Right? 
So I think usually it was like he would play his video games and then he'd come to bed, but it was also like, you've been drinking a bit. Like, is this going to take too long? I'm tired because this is my night off of having a child. Um, So then sometimes it would like be the morning. So then it would Mm. be the morning. And that was basically our routine. It was Saturday mornings, one Saturday morning. Um, Cartoons. Cartoons. Because the odd time, like, if I, I think when you get into bed, when you're co-sleeping, for me at least, I'm in bed and I'm just like, I'm tired. I'm done. Like, to get out of bed again is just, like, not happening. A lot of moms, you know, get that time at night, and that's their time. They, like, they put the kid to bed, and they have that time. I've never had that time. In four years, when my kids go to bed, that's basically when I'm in bed. And you've also, as long as I've known you, you've never complained about it once. No. That's just the way it is, and yeah. I adapted. And to to be honest, that's um, that's just the way it has been. So, so is that at, like, 7.30 p.m.? So now it's at like seven o'clock. Yeah. And then do you like watch Netflix with the headphones in? Well, that's, that's the beauty of working from Wi-Fi, working from my phone. That's when I do my business. Oh. So that is when I do most of my business is once, once the kid, once I've put them to bed and I'm in bed, I will do the things I need to do. And then I watch, yeah, Amazon or Prime or Netflix or whatever. And then I go to sleep. But yeah, I'm in bed. Like. And it's been like that for so long, I don't even know. I mean, don't get me wrong. The odd time, if it's super early, I will get out of bed and, and you know, do something. But I think I'm just so used to that routine. It's definitely easier in the winter because it's dark out. You're like, who cares? What almost like, I'm going to either be watching a show here or I'm going to be watching it downstairs. Totally. In the summer, it's definitely more challenging because it's still bright out. And I think probably by then I'll put her down, get out of bed. Um, so that was sex with, when we had Riker, a lot easier because it was one kid. We could, you know, take him to my mom's. Then fast forward to now, you know, this whole year where nobody can go anywhere. Nobody could do anything. Yeah. And so when did we have sex? Let's try to think. Um, so Riley was <gasps> what? Seven. Okay. So this is no. So Riley's Riley will be 11, a year. 11 she'll months. Be, yeah. She'll be a year in March. So what happened now with Riley, it was, um, I'd put them, we'd put them both to bed when they were both sleeping in bed with me. They'd both fall asleep. I'd put a pillow between them because Riker, like I said, he like moves around. Mm. So it would be Riker. It'd be a pillow, Riker, a pillow, Riley, and the guard. And I would sneakingly get out of bed, text Kevin, okay, meet me in the bedroom. So we would go into the spare bedroom but it's hilarious because I remember multiple times you're like in the middle of it and you're like, oh my God, one of the kids has woken up. I literally jump out of bed, butt naked, run into the bedroom. And this is the hard part is that you're transitioning from trying to have sex to running into a bedroom, sticking a breast in your baby's mouth, mm-hmm. which is a very different type of physical connection. Mm-hmm. And then being like, hey, you're asleep, jumping back out. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going into this role of like trying to be in this mm-hmm. mood. So it's definitely very interesting, but, uh, and it, it, I think that's not, that's not unique really to co-sleeping. Like I think anytime a baby would cry, whether they're in your bed or or not, um, I can understand that for sure. Um, and I know for a lot of women, like it just feels like nipples are off the table for a bit. Totally. That's just like, this is not part of my sexual experience right now. So not in a Rogers zone anymore. No. And then we'll add it back in when I'm dry. <laughs> exactly. And I think too, um, when you've held a baby or you have a baby on you all day, 
sometimes the last thing I want is for somebody else to touch me. Mm, 100%. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I just want to like spread my arms out and have nobody touch me mm-hmm. for a little bit. And so to sometimes switch when you're like, I've had two children, I've breastfeeding a child, but then I also have another child that's all in me all day because I'm a stay at home mom, right? So I'm with them all day. It's sometimes at the end of the day, that's the last thing I want to do is like be physical with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think that having less amount of opportunity to have sex because you're not just by yourself with your spouse in bed. You have to really get creative like when you're going to do it. And you have to be, you have to be um, mindful and almost you have to plan it out. And it sounds so not sexy when you say it like that. But you have to because if I didn't, it would just never happen. Yeah. But you're, I mean, we're both through this stage where we don't have children and babies on our bodies anymore. But I 100% remember living through that and knowing like this is a stage and you'll get through it and you'll be like, you'll be good and horny again later. Totally. And also your, your, um, your sex drive or Mm. whatever it is when you're breastfeeding, it's statistically lower. Yes. Yes. Hormonally. Hormonally lower. Yeah. Um, your body's like, don't get us pregnant again. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, and I, you know, you f- feel for like women have needs, but you also feel for the men. But mm-hmm. I also am like, it just is what it is. It's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And we're, st- we still, I think I was listening the other day, the average, I saw it on a reel, the average like couple has sex 58 times in a year which is just over once a week but saying that that is just an average like if you have sex more or if you have sex less that's your reality that's Mm -hmm. what you're doing Mm -hmm. um and an amount doesn't oh doesn't mean a whole lot like doesn't mean it's quality it doesn't and i think the other part of that is you know what else is happening in between right like Mm -hmm. for some Men, it's about, like, did you touch my back when I was in the kitchen? Totally. Did you hold my hand? Mm-hmm. Did you make eye contact with me? Did you kiss me when I left the house? Yes. Like, all those things contributing to not just one connection a week. Yeah. That's obviously, like, the gold standard. Yeah. But was there the other things in between? Um, but, yeah, I love that you're normalizing that. That, uh, like, it's just not where you're at. Like, you're tired. You're... I don't know, you're touched out. Yeah. And that's okay. You won't be touched out forever. You'll no. have a baby that'll start walking. Exactly. And then you'll be back in your own body. Okay, let's yeah. go there even deeper. Do you masturbate <laughs> right now? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you have to. You have to because I think for men and women, as my boobs are like filling up here. <laughs> Sorry, like, we'll, we'll end soon. I also have to go to a birth um, <laughs> I think you still have needs, but... The timing something sometimes doesn't work out for the stars to align for you guys to have sex. And so you have to, men obviously mm-hmm. are doing it and women need to have that release as well. And mm-hmm. it's so much easier to be yes. like when you're in that state of like, I need something to yeah. be like, I know that I can get there in mm-hmm. like one minute yeah. versus like the hour it's going to take us to plan to have sex. Totally. It's, totally. it's true. So, yeah. Yeah. um, like, oh my God, so many times, like. Kevin has been like, oh my God, it's so funny. But I'm like, I'm just going upstairs to wash my face. (laughs) 
And he's like, oh, your thousand creams, this will take a few minutes. And I just go upstairs and do my thing. He's not going to listen to the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And he has no idea still to this day. He has no idea that so so many times I'm like, I'm just running upstairs for a second. (laughs) And, uh, and I think, uh, yeah, so... I like that we're going to normalize it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Sex is such a weird thing when it comes to the whole motherhood thing. Mm -hmm. And even so, when they say, you know, you get your clear at six, six weeks, there's like, everyone's waiting to jump on it, but it doesn't necessarily, the mom, the the women are ready to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, or that that's a priority, I guess. Um, I, when I asked that the other week, I, I pulled everyone on our page. Um, I said, remember six weeks is a guideline, not a recommendation. Um, and were you before six weeks or after? And 90% of people were after. Oh yeah. And a lot of the reasons why people said, said they weren't ready had nothing to do with like healing time and physiological mm-hmm. things. It was all emotional, sleep, totally. hormonal. Like you're just not there. Yeah. And I think men also need to step it up and maybe take, like give it a little bit more effort to get the woman there. Mm. Right? Like if before baby, it was just, you just did it. It was, you know, all the time or whatever. But then after the baby, it there's so much more that needs to get the woman, I feel, for me personally, to get me there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of acts of service. Like for the me. the wor- rolling over saying wanna have sex just isn't no. gonna do it for me anymore. No. Because mm-hmm. like my answer will be no. Yes. Like yes. <laughs> there needs to be more. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be more work on the guy's part to get the woman there. And mm-hmm. maybe that means setting up, a, you know, childcare or a special mm-hmm. night or, like you said, touching the back or doing whatnot. But men can't just think that, like, women are just going to roll over and be the same after mm-hmm. they have kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. We've talked about this on here before, but the author and researcher, Dr. Do- Emily Nagowski, mm-hmm. Nagowski, she writes the book Come As You Are. Have you read that? Mm-mm. She talks about breaks and gas. So I think with motherhood and children, we have a lot more breaks. Yeah. So breaks. you can put your foot on the gas and the brake. Even though you have your foot on the gas, you're still not going anywhere. Totally. So the breaks could be, like you're saying, childcare, a baby crying, some of your hormones, the fact yeah. that you're leaking. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got estrogen and relaxing going through your body. Those things are not delivering wetness, right? Yeah. You're not as puffy as aroused. So, yeah. you know, that's going to require taking your foot off those breaks and then also the gas is going to be like what more more foreplay mm-hmm. needing more things to get you there because it's just not the same exactly as before yeah 100% um yeah i don't know i don't even know i think you maybe gradually just get back to maybe where you were before but i i haven't that hasn't ever been our... However, when we were trying to get pregnant with Riley, it was very much like I had a mission. It was mm-hmm, like sex yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it only took one time, but <laughs> for both of my children. So Kevin's probably like, what the fuck? I yeah. thought I was getting months of this. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was no. like, oh, I'm pregnant. He's like, what? That was like one month. Are you yeah. kidding me? Uh, so he's like, oh, the fun's in the practice. Yeah. Shoot. 
so I didn't, we haven't really, I guess, gotten to the point where we're transitioning back to what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still going to be a long time because my Mm -hmm. children aren't leaving my bed. Well, Riley, at least won't be leaving my bed for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, because we went right from, I mean, we're still co-sleeping or bed sharing. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but we both are under, under an understanding that it is temporary. It's not going to be forever. And eventually like Riley will start staying at my mom's house and Mm -hmm. we'll get back to that routine. Totally. Mm -hmm. There's this post by the Yoni empire and she says that sex was never spontaneous. Even when we were dating and we thought it was spontaneous, it was not spontaneous. We were ready. You were shaved. Mm -hmm. You smelled good. You were showered. You were clean. Mm -hmm. You were gearing up for this. You knew it was going to happen. You didn't necessarily know if it was going to happen at 9 PM or 11 PM, Mm -hmm. but you were ready for it. And so she says, like, it was planned then. Like, be okay with planning it now or it's just not going to happen. I always plan it without, like, Ryan doesn't know I'm planning it. Yes. But, like, I know probably in the morning. Right. Oh, tonight is the night that we will do this. Like, you're open to it or not. There's more planning that once you, like, now there's, I find, even more planning because you could maybe before be spontaneous in the fact that it might happen randomly. But, yes, you have planned it a bit. But now, at the end of the day, when I, like, my armpits stink, my, like, I'm looking (laughs) disgusting, I have food all over me, I've just put the kids to bed, I'm tired, I feel the least sexual, I feel the least sexy, I I feel like I want to have a shower. Mm -hmm. Having sex is, like, the last thing I want to do. So the planning becomes even more because you're at a, a more of a state of, like, just uh, and you need a almost a self date before you have yeah. the date with him. Hundred percent. I remember for a while we tried this thing where it was like, okay, I need to come back to myself mm-hmm. before I can come to you. Yes. And so then it turned into like, okay, well I'll go to yoga, and then I got resentful of yoga because I was like, yoga is just the way that you try and have sex with me. Yes. Uh. So then that became like, well. I'm just tired, like, I just don't, I don't want to go to, like, if I'm committing to yoga, then I'm committing to yoga and yes. sex, like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, exhaustion has so much to do with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, it was really long. It was long. I'm um, not shocked, though. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Thank you so much uh, for being, like, so open and yeah. real with us. No it's, like, so encouraging and so awesome. Okay, I feel like we've, like, ended here on a note of, Here's why you shouldn't co-sleep. Mm-hmm. So tell me why it's been really important to you to co-sleep. So I think for me personally, the success of breastfeeding 100% relates to bed sharing, co-sleeping. Um, so I guess people should also understand that is that co-sleeping is technically the term of if the baby is in the same room as you. So that could be in mm-hmm. a crib, that could be in a bassinet, that could be whatever. Bed sharing is when the baby is actually physically in the bed with you which is what I've done the whole time so for me I think for milk supply and for my latch having bed shared with both of my children have attributed to the success with breastfeeding um I think what's it called um attachment wise it has formed a different attachment than I find Mm -hmm. maybe children that didn't not saying that you don't have a good attachment I just feel the attachment that I have with my children is the attachment that I wanted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that I felt they need because some kids don't want to bed share some Mm -hmm. kids need their space Mm -hmm. and that's just I find what happens Mm -hmm. 
I led by my cues. If if they didn't want to, if I found they weren't sleeping well or whatnot, then I would have been like, okay, that's fine. And I feel like if it wasn't working for you, you wouldn't have done it. A hundred percent. And I mean, I think I slept more because yeah. I wasn't getting up, going into another room, yeah. getting even out of my bed. It was literally like I had to maybe sit up to change a diaper mm-hmm. in the beginning. But for me, I, I feel like I slept more. I mean, your sleep is more interrupted, but I was still able to sleep. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll wrap it up. Tell me All how right. to hit. Yeah, I'm going to hit this one when I'm done. I just have one more question. Yeah, okay, Laura's off to uh, a birth. Okay. And so, bye, Laura. Bye. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, so we did a sleep podcast like a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, and um, I just wanted to know when you said about you tried Riker in his own bed, and then you brought him back in your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, is he sleeping through the night now? Or yeah. does he still get up? Or, like, how old was he when he, that happened for him naturally? So, he will be four in March. And I would say just maybe within the last... Within the last four months, maybe, he can sleep, like... When we're in bed, he will sometimes wake up and have, like, this dream thing where he's sitting up and I'll have to rest him back down. But he, up until then, he would still, if I wasn't in bed and he woke up and I wasn't there, he'd cry and, like, he'd be like, mama, mama, and he'd look for me. Mm -hmm. But now I would say he will sleep throughout the night. But, I mean, I was... When I was breastfeeding him until he was over two, he was still, he was breastfeeding through the night. Like Mm -hmm. when he was around two, it was really just nighttime feedings. Um, And so I think that's, it it definitely plays with their sleep schedule because Mm -hmm. he would wake up to nurse. Mm -hmm. Like two, three times, once? Yeah, like probably two, three Mm -hmm. times. Like my kids are both, like even now Riley, she'll be a year. She's still like. She's not necessarily nursing. She's just looking for comfort. She'll mm-hmm. go on my boob just by herself and then come off of it. Um, but I'd say, yeah, Riker's four, and I think now I'm confident that if, if Kevin were to leave him in his bed, I think he would probably, he might get up once, mm-hmm. but, yeah, like. Yeah, they're getting there on their own, yeah. on their own time. And I, I love think that. for me, because I'm a stay-at-home mom, I, I was flexible. Like, mm-hmm. I was okay. I didn't need to ever be in a strict schedule because I didn't need to get up and get the kids ready and go out the mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. So it was like this worked for us and our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Riker, I'd stay in bed. When it was just us, we'd stay in bed and cuddle for, like, the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, Did Riker give up breastfeeding on his own, or that was because you had both of them and it was getting no, too much? Or what? so he... He was just feeding really through the night, and it was more of a comfort thing. I could definitely see he wasn't coming for it really during the day, and it was so hard for me because I loved breastfeeding so much, Mm -hmm. and I think what got me through it was knowing that I was going to have another baby Mm -hmm. to breastfeed, Mm -hmm. but I remember I had gone on a trip, and it was the first time leaving him really for like a few days, and we went to Nashville with Laura actually. And we came back and I, I just sort of looked at him and I was just like, you know what? You're a big boy now. Um, we're not, I, I don't even remember exactly what I said to him, but I said, um, we're not going to have mama's milky anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, okay. Nice. And it was just easy. Like yeah. he didn't ever ask for it again, mm-hmm. ever. Um, wow. So it was just an easy transition. 
And Jacob thankfully. was um, three when when he stopped, just over three, probably three in two months, and he just stopped one night and didn't have any for nine days. And then nine days later decided he wanted to start up again. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sorry, bud. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah, Shit that's dry. Fine. And that's ouch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. But I honestly think, like, it doesn't even matter how old they are. Like, I don't think I actually wanted to breastfeed him until he was five. Yes. But I was happy to let him go until he was done. Totally. And whenever it ends, it's sad. Yeah. And I could tell... I could tell Riker was done. It was more of just, like, a comfort thing mm-hmm. at night. Um, but, yeah, it's emotional. It's yeah. super sad. And, um, like, even with Riley now, like, I'm I'm so... Every time I look at her, I'm, like, knowing... Except we don't plan on having any more kids, knowing that this will be my last child to breastfeed. Like, it makes me tear up sometimes because totally. I, like... I feel like I'm very passionate about breastfeeding. I'm very passionate about, you know... Um, bed sharing if that's something that you want it doesn't need to have a negative stigma but there are some things like Kevin would never I would never leave either of the children just sleeping with Riker or Kevin in bed until they're older of Mm -hmm. course but when they're baby babies like that's not something instinctually that men have that is something that women have Mm -hmm. and so never would just nap with with Kevin right ever yeah it was only ever me um, like they could just ro- he would he could just roll on top of them and wouldn't know. Yeah, like yeah. where women would. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't. Wouldn't. Yes. But we would know. Like we would wake up or right. we'd have a cue. Um, and men don't have that, so that was something that like never happened with with Kevin. Um, but yeah, I think that women don't need to, moms don't need to be scared about mm-hmm. it. I feel like even in on James McKenna's website, there's a differentiation between breastfeeding and bottle feeding. So I think bed sharing is actually not recommended if you are bottle, bottle feeding. feeding. Yeah. Um, so it's maybe not that it's just a, a woman man thing, but it's a, it's like a, it's a hormonal and a breastfeeding thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because too, your, your body is doing more things when you're creating milk yes. and it's like, Telling you, okay, like your milk's full, like your baby's yeah. probably going to want to eat again. Yeah. And I know so many women that are like, I thought I would, like a friend of mine right now is doing it. And she's like, I it was the last person yeah. that you think that would do this. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to like really get back to trusting our bodies. Mm, and oh, yes. Listening In to our bodies. So many ways. And like so many people have opinions. Like honestly, so many people have had opinions. You have to be so strong-willed in the fact that like, I let everybody's opinions roll off of me. Mm-hmm. Like, when are you going to let them sleep out of your bed? I'm like, I'm sorry. It is actually none of your business. You're not the one sleeping in bed with them. Mm. So, Amen. It doesn't matter. How does this matter. affect your life? It How does this affect your life zero? that my kid is in my bed? Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. No problems. It's a good. good time. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.